Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. So, humility, we've been working through, we've gone through a few weeks now. And you should have a bit of an idea about what we're looking for and what humility means for us and have a few ideas um, on what it is, you know, we can each work on. Um, so we talk about, you know, humbleness. What is a humble person? And we're digging this well in humility at the moment. Um, I think we've got the last one. Josh is going to wrap up uh, next week. Uh, but this is kind of the first point we're looking at. Okay, what does our faith mean? What is it to be a humble person? And how can we kind of move towards that? And so as we came through initially, you know, God, uh, Josh was saying that, you know, a humble person recognizes they can't do anything without God. Okay, he is the substance, he is our life, um, and a humble person recognizes that. Uh, then we came on and we talked about um, a humble person includes God in their day. Every day, every thought, every decision, you know, we're looking to include God as part of it because we can't do it on our own. Um, and then we looked at a humble person confesses their sins to others. So, you know, we're not just humble to God, but also we recognize that there is a, a power um, in actually kind of confessing our sins to others, being accountable um, to other people as well. And then last, oh, that's that one, and then last week, um, a humble person waits on the Lord. Um, Jared kind of came up with last week. And so we're moving on today. And actually, this is kind of going to be a bit of a part two um, of what I spoke about last time from Micah 6. Um, and, you know, when I was there, we looked at um, verse 8. And verse 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So the picture was that we're kind of walking, we're active, we're alongside God um, in that moment. But actually, you know, something that stands out is what moves on in verse 9. And so, to finish that off, he comes through and says, The voice of the Lord cries to the city, and it is the sound wisdom to fear your name. Hear of the rod and of him who appointed it. So, the point that we look at is it's sound wisdom to fear your name. And there's a, a humility in that, but also this is something that, you know, I want to recognize that, you know, you pick something from the Old Testament in Micah and there's a phrase, the fear of the Lord. And all through the Old Testament, Psalms, Proverbs, Chronicles, um, it's all over the place. It's very apparent and for Israel, it was very much kind of a clear and present danger, this fear of the Lord. And throughout Proverbs, you know, it always kind of marries up to wisdom. Wisdom is having fear of the law, fear of the name, because you've got to recognize that God is our creator. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. And, you know, if you think that you can do your own thing, do whatever you want to do, and that he won't know, or that he, you know, he doesn't care, or won't do anything about it, then you're mistaken, because, 
you know, God knows what's going on and he wants to kind of look out for you and keep us on the straight path. And so what we need to try and understand is where that kind of context takes us. And whenever we're looking at fear of God, fear has a very negative connotation. Uh, We talk about being crippled with fear. Um, It shuts us down like a deer in the headlights. And, you know, you feel like you can't move. And this is the sort of fear that the enemy uses, the devil kind of will try and put in your way. He'll try and shut you down. He will try and take you into a dark place so that you feel fearful and unable to move. But when we talk about the fear of God and the fear of the Lord's name, we have to account for some of his character, okay? So we need to take into account, you know, does, what does fearing the Lord mean in respect to other parts of God? And so when we look at that, you know, God is loving, he's merciful. You know, if we do the wrong thing, you know, he loves us and he wants to bring us back. And he's the good father, Okay, so we look at this aspect of God and go, yeah, he's loving, merciful, kind, he's a good father, I can understand that, I get that relationship. Um, But at the same time, God is holy and righteous. Um, And kind of basically what it means, he is in a unique position where he is perfect, he is, you know, he, he can't make mistakes. And when he is just in his actions, his thoughts, his decisions, and so we've got Part one, which we kind of understand, we can get that, kind of the loving, forgiveness, kindness, parenting, um, but it can be a lot harder for us to grasp the, the holiness, the righteousness, because we, we are not that, you know. We are not perfect. We are not, you know, right or just in everything we do. We can make mistakes, but we can attain that through Christ, Okay. Um, so, you know, that is the, the hope we come through. But when we talk about fear, we're looking at it from the aspect of this loving, kind God who, you know, like a father, like a parent, the fear is in the discipline. And parents in the room, I've been told this story, but you will understand um, that, you know, when you have a child and, you know, there is a certain amount of discipline um, that you want to install for your child. It's either to protect them to keep them on the right path, um, just to stop them from stumbling. And sometimes that kind of, that point of discipline or that action of discipline can be something that, you know, a child comes to, to feel. They don't like that particular action. But, you know, there's so much more of the time that you love, you are kind, and that you are gracious to your children. Um, and that these moments actually, you know, don't overwhelm us you recognise, you know, that there's a, a healthy fear, um, knowing that if you do step out of line or out of the boundaries, that there is a consequence. And so when we're kind of thinking about the fear of the Lord, that consequence to what he's declared uh, is really um, where we're coming from, particularly in that kind of Old Testament. And I'm looking through at the story of David. Now, we've most, we should all have recently read this through Samuel, if you're anywhere close to being up to date uh, with our Bible in the year readings. Um, but there's a story in 1 Samuel, chapter 26. And at this point... I've got to keep remembering to clicking this one. Um, at this point, um, 
David is kind of on the run, okay? Um, Saul is king. He has been God's anointed king um, over Israel. And now Saul is looking to extend his reign. He's looking to make sure that he can sit on his throne as long as possible because he's got the power. He wants his power. He wants to make his decisions. But because of that attitude... um, Actually, previously, God had told Samuel to tell Saul that, you know, your reign's going to be over. I'm not with you. I'm not supporting you because you're trying to do things on your own stead. And I'm going to appoint somebody else. And so Samuel has essentially you know, appointed David um, as God's king over Israel. And he was kind of a young boy in his kind of early teens. And he's in this place now where, as Jared said last week, he's waiting. You know, he's had this spoken over his life that he's going to be king. And he's waiting, he's waiting. He knows it's going to happen, it's going to come. Um, And we think it's about kind of 15, 20 years before he eventually becomes king, um, king of Judah and then king of the whole of Israel. But there's a point in that journey. um, And in verse 8... It says, God has surely handed your enemy over to you this time. Abishai whispered to David, let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't need to strike twice. No, David said, don't kill him. For who can remain innocent after attacking the Lord's anointed one? This is the second time David had an opportunity to kill Saul. And he had the opportunity to take it into his own hands to fulfill God's promise. You know, it was God's promise he was going to be king. It's like, you could have looked at that and gone, ah, here we are. Saul's just stumbled, he's laying in front of me. Doesn't even know I'm here, I've got a spear. Everybody's backing me, I've got my army behind me. All I need to do is kill him and then I'll be king. And that is God's word restored. But David had this fear of the Lord He knew that Saul had been God's anointed king, his servant. And he doesn't look lightly on that. You know, he holds that, you know, even though I had this calling as David, you know, he's got his calling to be king, Saul was also called to be king and had an anointing on him. So he didn't know what it would be, but like, what would that cost be if I killed a man of God? Um, I would not remain innocent. Um... And so, you know, that was his point. It's like, fear of the Lord, I will not do this. I will trust, I will continue waiting for God to work out his promises. So David had this, this fear. And in the Old Testament, it was, as I said, kind of it was palpable in those kind of early days through Israel. Um, you know, bringing in consequences, getting the law. There's got to be discipline. There's got to be you know, reprimands for their actions. And so it was very present. And it was not just for Israel, but also the people around them. You know, the fear that they could get attacked, the fear of, you know, this great God, this great king and invading your lands. Um, But we don't tend to have that same sense of fear um, today. And, you know, I recognize myself that a lot of time we get a lot of the love, the grace, the mercy, because we're, you know, this side of the cross. That's what Jesus has done for us. Um, but this aspect of fearing the Lord, did it just stop? 
then how does it, if it does, or if it doesn't, then how does it carry through to us today? And what is the relevance of that? So, if we look at Romans, so Romans chapter 2, verse 3. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? So here Paul's talking to you know, the Jews um, in Rome and basically how they're think they're kind of high and mighty. They're putting down the Gentiles saying, you know, you haven't got the word. You know, you do these things. We are the people of God. Um, and he just says, okay, it's not your birthright, okay? You still have to be morally righteous. You still have to obey, be faithful to the Lord because there will be a judgment. Even you who have been, you know, called God's people, you cannot just rest on that alone. For one day, you will be judged. And so that's where we kind of sit in this place now, is that, you know, the phrase, the fear of the Lord, I, I saw it in, you know, you Google search that in the, the Bible, and it's like, it comes up once, that particular phrase in the New Testament, where it comes up tens, hundreds of times throughout the Old. But the sense, the tone of that fear has changed. And because we are... This side of the cross, we have Christ who has come, which has been the fulfillment of that Old Testament law, that now we can know that we don't have to just fear for our lives. We don't have to fear for everything we're doing right now. It's not like God's going to send a plague necessarily on us. He's not going to strike us down or kill us for you know, approaching him the wrong way or standing up to someone or... You know, there's a lot of mercy and grace that he's applied. But we do have to still recognize that there is a time of judgment coming. And so as much as we get this love, this grace, these warm, fuzzy feelings that we want, um, we do still recognize that there is a powerful creator, a God who will sit on that judgment seat. And at some point, we will have to account for our lives. And this is something that I kind of came to as a relation from becoming kind of a Christian and developing my faith that I started off in this place where, yep, love, I get that. I had those warm fuzzies that got me to this place of believing. Um, but did this place of believing lead to a place of faith and faithful living um, and so I kind of started to think a little bit more about okay I don't just have this free pass I don't just go well you know I believe in God I've made a decision and I don't don't have to do anything else nothing else matters I just do what I want to do and that what gets me by because you know although we don't think so much of being in fear and trembling we have to recognize that there is a judgment and so what we come to is that how do we kind of, we qualify through faith for um, this coming judgment. So the judgments, we want to be in the heavenly realms. Jesus being, defeating 
death on the cross has led us to a place where the kingdom of God is come. It's not in its fullness, but we're waiting for that moment that we can kind of be restored to this place in relationship with God. And so the judgment is at the end of those days, you know, where do we, where do we go? Do we stand with God or do we get cast out? And there's passages um, throughout, you know, James 2.19, um, it says, you believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe, and they shudder. And so it's not just a point of belief, but it's a point of faith, and faith has to be actioned, it has to be worked out. And so, you know, we qualify for this kingdom, for this heaven, for this relationship with God eternally through our faith. But, you know, to to get there, we have to look at what that means for our faith and what that right living is. And we're talking about humility. And, you know, with that humility, that's part of an outworking of that faith, that we recognize where we stand in this world. We recognize where we stand relative to, to God. And so we have to kind of keep on our toes we have to think about what do, we, what do we do if we are truly humble and we're fearing of the Lord and you know, we're fearing of this judgment that is to come. How do we live our lives? Can you just get away with whatever you want to do? Or is there something else you need to do to make certain of that? You know, you don't want to get to that point. You don't want to think about it even. You know, if it comes to that judgment seat, you turn up there and you go, you know, can you think of things? Do you want to leave a stone unturned as to why, you know, you might not end up living eternally with God? And, you know, I don't want to be in that place. I don't want to be second-guessing myself. I don't want to be wondering, you know, have I really been faithful have I really loved God? Have I really followed him, trusted him? And so as I work out my humility, I have to think about kind of right living, righteousness. I need to strive towards it. I'm not going to be perfect, but I can make sure that you know, I try and guard myself against weaknesses, I can call on the strength of God to be in my life and I can listen to him as much as I can to know that I am walking in right stead. And so having this fear of the Lord, it kind of a keep us on our toes, you know, thought. And it's not that we're just going to be crippled, we're going to, you know, just fall apart we need to just be aware that God is in control. That God is a creator. He is, you know, over all things. And that requires something of us for our faith. That requires that we walk with him. That we humble ourselves. And in all these matters that we've kind of talked about with humility, we recognize that we... We humble ourselves because there is something greater than us. God is pure. He's perfect in his ways. And he does 
desire a relationship with us. He desires us to be with him. And he will prod us, he will nudge us to move us in the right direction, but it still is up to us to follow that path. And so that's the, the, the call for today with that fear for humility is that we recognise what God wants for us and we just ask him, what is it that we step into? Is there anything that you want from me today that can help us and help me move towards you so that I know when the day comes that I will get to spend eternity with you in that kingdom? And that is our hope, that is our belief that through faith, through faith in Christ who has defeated evil, that we have the strength, we have the power, the ability to move towards him and stay with him. Because the other option is not great. Death, whatever hell looks like, there's pictures in the Bible we don't really know, but it's not a good thing. Yet we have a picture of this Garden of Eden where you know, Adam and Eve, they walked with God, they, who were there, fruit, everything was available to them. And we want to walk and spend time in that place. I'll just get the band to come up. So this morning, we're just going to sing through one more song. We're going to lift God up. We're going to raise our voices to him. But like Jared mentioned earlier about you know, being prompted, the Holy Spirit working something in us. He will also tell us where he wants us to go. And if we want to continue with him, we're all here because we've believed, we have faith, we're striving for the good things that God has for us. And we want that to carry on. We want that to live eternally. And we want, don't want to leave anything to second chance. We want to make sure that we move closer to God and that he makes those just actions. And so this morning, as we sing, as we carry through, just ask God what it is. You know, is there anything right now that you know I should be working on? We act humbly we know that Lord you will make a judgment one day and we want to make sure that we are there with you supporting you loving you as you have loved us so if there's anything I need to do to get me closer. Lord, highlight it to me. It might be a thought today. It might be something that strikes you during the week. But God wants to work on you. When I first became a Christian, I thought, you know, you, you get baptised and you jump out of the water and you 
magically changed. Everything's gone, all your troubles, all your worries. You're a brand new person. And, you know, in one sense, I was a brand new person because, you know, I'd accepted God into my life. But at the same time, there were a lot of things I still needed to work on. And they didn't just disappear as if by magic for me. But every now and then, God just highlighted something in my life he gave me a little prod. He convicted me of something that you know, I needed to work on, something I needed to get rid of. I needed to lay it down. Sometimes it was just a hurt that I had held on to, a thought, a doubt that the devil had kind of put into my head that had kind of subdued me, had given me the wrong type of fear that had crippled me. And sometimes it's just something I was doing that just wasn't walking in the same stead that he wanted for me. And I had to move myself off a path. So it might be an action for you for the future, but it might just be a letting go of something from the past that has filled you with not the fear of the Lord, but the, the fear of death. But that's not what we're here for. We're here because God has already battled that. He's done it on our behalf. Christ has died. He's won over the devil. And so now we step and we walk in step with God. If you do get anything in particular um, and you want prayer for that this morning, then feel free just to come forwards. And I'll have a few guys at the front who will be happy to pray for you. Um, even if it's not around that particular thing today, but there's something else you just want, help with encouragement, strength, then still feel free to come forward and receive prayer. If you don't want to come to the front, then just, you know, in conversations with people around you, um, I just encourage you to, yeah, just talk to those who you're close with, people that you feel comfortable with, to open, be open and to, to pray there too. Lord, we're just so thankful for your presence here today. Holy Spirit, you communicate with us, you lift us up. You encourage us to, to battle anything that the enemy has tried to put on us. But I just want to just declare today, Lord, that your presence be over every aspect of our lives. And that today and over this week, Lord, help show us ways to move in step with you. Lord, help us to be secure in our faith. Lord, we're just so grateful for the gift of faith. That's all it takes just to be with you. But as we recognize that that's not just a, an empty belief, a one-time decision, Lord, that faith looks like something. And so Lord, I just pray that you let each one of us know what faith looks like in our own lives.
none of us can cast judgment on the person next to us. Lord, we don't have that right. We don't have that power. And we don't know what that looks like. But you do. So Lord, we just pray for your strength and encouragement this morning. And we just thank you that you want us with you. You want us by your side. You've destined us to be a part of your family, to be loved by you, 